what's up, Liquid Church? How you doing? My name is Nithin, and I am one of the pastors here. And uh, we are kicking off a brand new series called Speak Life, where we're talking about how to have the right words at the right time can have a huge impact. But before we jump in, will you join me in welcoming our campuses? What's up, guys? Good to see those of you guys that are watching online as well. So good to have you here. And about a year and a half ago, maybe about two years now, um, I was just kind of taking an inventory of my life and realized I needed to make some changes. I was kind of at the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. Um, I had no good like eating routines. I had no exercise routines. And I, and I knew I needed to get back into shape. And for me, that shape was pear-shaped. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of there right now. And so uh, I actually reached out to a friend of mine named Rob Morgan, and Rob is a trainer. And I said, Rob, can you train me? And so, you know, we train. This is the first day that we trained, and I wrote in my Instagram, this morning I got to work out with Rob. This dude knows his stuff. I used muscles I didn't even know existed yet. And, um, you know, I felt really good. Then his, um, his wife wrote on here, uh, let's see how you feel tomorrow. And I felt catatonic. I couldn't move anything in my body. And, uh, you know, it was great. Like, Rob was kind of teaching me how to, how to, you know, work out. And I was getting some new things under my belt. And I go, Rob, like, I feel so good. Like, I feel like I should go around telling people I got a bod by Rob. What do you think? He's like, no, please don't do that. I need to work still. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But, you know, you know, Rob took me through all these different routines and all these different muscle groups. And I, I was able to do, like, a full body workout. But there was one muscle that uh, he never, we never worked out. And it's, in fact, the most powerful muscle in your entire body. And it's, it's, not your, it's not your biceps, it's not your glutes, it's not your abs. I have them in here somewhere. It's actually this one, right here, your tongue. Your tongue is the most powerful muscle in your entire body. With your tongue, you build words to build bridges towards others, or you use your words to tear bridges down, to tear people down. You know, you can say one thing to someone in a positive way, and it literally it lights up their day. You say something negative to them, and their entire day and week can be ruined. That's how powerful our words are. And, and, and we have this power all the time, and it's the power to do two things, to speak life or to speak death. You see, when we speak life, it has an impact that kind of ripples out. In fact, do you guys remember maybe in high school or middle school or college, you had that one coach, that one teacher that just believed in you. They saw something in you, and they would speak life in you, say, hey, listen, I, I know you can do it. They would challenge you. They'd pull out the best that they could out of you because they saw something, and they'd speak words of life and encouragement to try to bring that out so that you'd rise to the occasion. But maybe you had teachers or coaches that, that did the opposite. They spoke words of death, words of sarcasm, constant criticism, constant breaking you down, so that even today you're still trying to overcome those words of critique and those words of pain. You see, what we say and how we say it has a huge impact uh, in, in, the, in the direction of our lives, not just our lives, but the lives of others. And from a young age, I think we've all learned how to weaponize our words. We've learned how to come up with quick comebacks, cutting remarks. In fact, you know, it's New Jersey, so our native language is sarcasm, right? Like, that's just how we talk. It's just normal. We don't even think about it. But, you know, the quality of our words can really speak death into people's lives. I mean, think about our kids. If you're a parent, just thoughtless words can speak so much death to kids. We say something to them when we, they annoy us, or maybe it's a spouse or a coworker. You know, they say something or we say something to them, and it kind of cuts them down and it critiques them. Or the poor person that, you know, gets in our way on 287. We, 
You know, whatever it is, our words have that power. And, and, and our culture has all these sayings which tries to minimize our word power. You know, you've ever heard this one? Sticks and stones may what? Break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Y'all know that's a lie, right? That's a complete lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can separate spouses. Words can rip apart reputations. Words can sow toxicity in relationships and friendships. See, our words have a way of erasing our esteem, killing our confidence, destroying our dignity. Our words have power. And if we don't understand that, it, it can really lead to some painful, painful situations. In fact, the scriptures have a lot to say about our word power and how we use our words. In fact, the scripture that we're going to base this whole series on, that we're going to come back to, is Proverbs 18.21. In fact, I hope that we can memorize this. It's really short, so I think we can do this. And it goes like this. It says this. In fact, why don't we all say this together? The tongue has the power of life and death. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He's the author of the message. He takes his verse and he translates it this way. He says, words give life, or words kill, but also words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Our words can either kill or they can give life. It's fruit or poison. You choose. See, fruit refreshes and it nourishes, but poison constricts and it kills, and we have the choice on how we use it. I mean, I mean do we really believe that? Do, do we really believe that our words have the power of life? Literally, what we say has the ability to influence people in a good way. We have words that can speak words of love, words of growth, and, 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 and continuing affirmation, words of promise and hope. In fact, these are the words that I hope that I can speak to my daughter every day. You know, my daughter, she's eight years old, and I try on a regular basis to speak words of life. I say to her when I first see her in the morning, I go, sweetie, you look so beautiful today. You know, I, I'm so proud of you. You're such a hard worker. You're so creative. I want to try to sow as many words of life into her because we live in a world that will do everything it can to strip her of her dignity, to objectify her, to criticize her. Boys may say things to her, and I want her to know that the affirmation of her father is going to create, is going to make those words like, like they're hitting Teflon. They're just going to slide right off. But if I'm really honest, I don't always speak life to my daughter. In fact, sometimes I speak words of death to her. Words of criticism. Words that are cutting. Words that can actually be more like bombs. You know, um, a couple years ago, I think she was younger, you know, it was a really stressful day at work. I, I was coming home, and my wife was having a stressful day. We're trying to get dinner on the table, trying to get things moving. The kids are moving kind of slow. And my daughter's like, hey, Dad, can I have a glass of milk? And I said, yeah, absolutely, sweet. Let me go get you a glass of milk. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing a bunch of different things. And she waited, and she feels, don't worry, Daddy, I can do it. I can help. And so she goes, and she gets the gallon of milk. I go, sweetie, don't do that. Let me do that for you. It's too heavy. She goes, no, Daddy, I can do it. And so she puts her cup down, and she picks the milk up. And she tries to pour it down, and it's too heavy. And all of a sudden, she drops the, the milk, and it spills all over the table. And there's like little like slats in the table. So now the milk is dripping from the table onto the carpet, onto the floor, and I just lose it. And I go, Sailor, what is wrong with you? Can't, can't you just Listen. I, I, I'm just, and I just, at that moment, I stopped because I saw what was happening in my little girl's eyes. She was so hurt that her dad would say that to her. Her, her heart was broken. 
And in that moment, I realized, oh, I, I literally assassinated her soul with my words. That's the power of our words. We can either speak life, words of affirmation and hope and healing, or we can speak words of death, of destruction, of pain. And it's our choice. I know some of you are thinking, come on, dude, like, these are just words. People can get over it. Like, do you really think that our words have that much impact? I really do think our words can be a matter of life or death. In fact, that was the case for Mallory Grossman. Maybe you've heard of Mallory. Uh, she's been in the news. She's 12 years old, and she was the subject of bullying. And uh, what happened was there was this group of girls that singled her out and really just had it in for her, and they, they would just kind of surround her and just be merciless. They'd say things like, oh, you're so ugly. You're so stupid. Like, what's wrong with you? And then she'd come home and thinking it'd be over, but then she'd pick up her phone and she'd see the Snapchats. She'd see the text messages. They'd say things like this, no one likes you. Like, you're, you've got so many issues. When are you going to kill yourself? And then on June 14, 2017, that's exactly what happened. Mallory Grossman, at 12 years old, took her own life. If you don't think your words matter, you'd be dead wrong. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. We have that choice. This isn't just a metaphor. This isn't just uh, nice things that we say. This actually has life and death consequences. When I think of the explosive power of our words, I, I actually think of dynamite. Dynamite was first invented, actually, for construction, to build, to create. In fact, it was invented by a man named Alfred Noble. How many of you guys ever heard of Alfred Noble? He's actually the one that kind of came up with the Nobel what? Peace Prize. And what happened was people found out that there were other implications you could have with dynamite. You could actually use it to dismember, to destroy, to devastate. And dynamite had two uses. You could use it to create bridges and roads and, and bring people together, or you could use it to destroy, to kill, to maim, to, to bring people apart. So how do we handle our words in a positive, creative way when it has so many powerful implications? Well, Jesus had a little brother named James. And James actually shows us how we can handle our words with care and use them to speak life rather than death. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 2 to 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up our Liquid Church mobile app. You can find it there. Or if you have a, a Bible app on your phone, or you can just follow along with us as we kind of walk through the scriptures together. But starting at verse 2, it says this, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So what James is saying is this, if you want to reduce the amount of sinning that you do in your life, just keep your mouth shut. Like, like seriously, like if you can just keep your mouth shut, control your mouth, you will literally reduce the amount of sins that you commit in this world. And James goes on and says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder. 
Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Meaning this, a a bit or a a simple uh, rudder, something small has a huge impact in the direction of something way bigger than itself. And then James continues and says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. James is saying, guys, there's a dark side to, to, to your words, a part that leads to death. And he acknowledges like this double nature of, of our mouth, of the tongue. He says this, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. See, you know, what he's saying is like, you know, we come to church, we praise God, we, we worship him with our mouths, but then we also curse off other people with our mouths as well. You see, our, our, our mouths, our tongues have the power of life and death, of light and darkness, of blessing and of cursing. That's the power that our mouths and our tongues have. In the book of James, we're going to look at three ways that he, we're able to uh, handle our tongues carefully. The first is this, is your tongue is the power to direct the course of your life. If you're taking notes, your tongue is the power to direct the course of your life. And James actually uses two examples here. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, how many of you have ever gone horse riding? Any horseback riders here? Okay, there's a few of you. So when I I was a kid, there was this uh, place called Wachung Stables by my house, and we'd often go horseback riding there. And so I would like, you know, the thing they'd make you do is you have to like put the stuff on the horse, you'd put the saddle on it, and you'd have to put the, the bridle on it. And in the bridle, there's this little metal piece that you slip into the horse's mouth called a bit. Now this bit, this little piece of metal, maybe like uh, four or five inches long, w- was actually enabled you to actually steer the entire animal. So me, like, you know, as this 70-pound kid, could have the ability to steer this 2,000-pound animal just with that little piece of metal in its mouth. Guys, our words, as small as they can be, sometimes maybe insignificant, can have huge impact in, in our lives, in the directions not only of our own personal lives, but also in the history of this world, I, I kind of think of that one line during the end of the Cold War where Ronald Reagan said to President Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And right after those words were spoken, the Berlin Wall came down and communism at that time had ended. The Cold War was over. That's how powerful words can be from a historic perspective, but even in our own, own personal lives. James goes on and he says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You guys ever see like those giant cruise ships? They're literally like floating cities, these things. They're so, they're so big. And the thing is, it's almost like you take a skyscraper and you land it on its side, and that's what you get, you get a cruise ship. It's, it's, it's gigantic. Thousands of people are on this thing. And like this tiny little rudder right here, that little thing steers its direction. It literally picks what way it goes. Little things can have a huge, huge impact. And so James wraps up his point and he says this, Likewise, the tongue is small, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Your tongue 
as small as it is, has a huge impact, not only in your life, but also in the lives of others around you. The words that you say, not only about to yourself, actually impact where you go, but it can also impact where other people go as well. And I saw this clearly in the life of one of my students years ago named Danny. Now, um, I was a youth pastor. as my first kind of pastor job, and Danny was one of the students in my youth group. And so Danny was a really good kid, you know, loved Jesus, uh, but she was a troublemaker in the sense that she always had to push the envelope just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. And, and in fact, um, this came out when I led my first uh, mission trip where we're going to go and, and do some service projects. And so uh, I've got this caravan that I'm driving. and There's a bunch of youth leaders behind me. And so we stop at a Starbucks, you know, to use the bathroom, to get some coffee, you know, to you know, kind of refuel, things like that. And so Danny you know, walks into the Starbucks and her and her friend are laughing. And they're just like, ha, 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 ha. I'm like, okay, I guess something's funny. And so as this is going on, we're waiting in line, a state trooper comes charging in with a gun in his belt. And he's looking around, and I'm going, dude, what's going on here? And then Danny, you know, as she's laughing, blurts out, Pastor Nathan, I think he's here for you! <laughs> and then he comes up to me and goes, sir, is this your group? I go, yeah. He goes, um, sir, is this your car's make and model? Yeah. Can you all come outside with me right now, you and your whole group? I'm like, okay. So we all come out. I kid you not, there are a dozen trooper cars all over the parking lot. All of them are outside of their cars. They're surrounding my car, and they're all holding their guns. I'm like, what just happened? Like, what's going on? Well, apparently, Danny thought it'd be funny if she wrote the words, help me, I'm being kidnapped, on a piece of paper and put it on the window as we were driving for 10 to 15 miles on the highway. And so when this was being explained to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I know someone probably called 911. They were freaking out. I can tell you, sir, that that's not what's going on. I'm not kidnapping anybody. He said, sir, we had over 40 calls on the highway. I'm like, well, that's not good. And so, <laughs> and so at this point, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have a job again. Like, it's the first trip, my first job. You know, like, the kids are crying. I'm crying. You know, the guy wants to arrest us. Uh, you know, we eventually worked it through. And, you know, at that point, I wanted to speak words of death to Danny. Um, but, you know, over, over time, you know, she, she had a great heart, and I realized, you know what, you know, whenever she would do something like this, maybe not this extreme, to kind of push the envelope a little bit, to kind of push some buttons, I really wanted to kind of get up and just, again, speak words of, uh, of just saying, just being really annoyed and just angry and frustrated. But then I saw all these great qualities that she had as well, and I said, I want to speak words of life to her. And so I remember um, I had a, a conversation with her, which I call an ICNU conversation. You guys know what I see in you stands for? The most important words in the alphabet? I see in you. I said to Danny, you know, you know what I see in you, Danny? I see in you a woman of integrity. You're willing to tell the truth even if it gets you in trouble. Take responsibility even if you don't do something wrong. I, I see in you someone who is a leader. Uh, you, people follow you. People are influenced by what you have to say. I see in you someone who's creative and you think differently and you have a way of, of, of seeing the world and, and helping people think about issues and situations in ways that they don't normally do. And so it wasn't just me, but her parents or all these people that chose to speak words of life into her uh, rather than focusing on all the negative and the stuff where she messed up. And so I kept track of her over the past couple of years and um, one of the things that was really encouraging is I saw her grow as a leader. In fact, I ran into her this past February at a racial reconciliation conference. 
And uh, she's at this conference because she wants to become, or actually she doesn't want to become, she is a filmmaker. She's actually a filmmaker. She's done films about the refugee crisis. She's done films on racial reconciliation. She's done films about poverty because what she wants to do is actually uh, bring, you know, God's kingdom come crashing to earth. She's passionate about social justice and seeing the kingdom of God flourish. And I just felt so encouraged knowing that, you know, lots of people spoke words of life. Lots of people sowed those words into her heart. In fact, this fall she's going to seminary so that she can learn how, how to bring the gospel into social justice, into those social situations. And I mean, it's really encouraging to see that, to see what God is doing in her life. And a lot of that happened because people spoke words of truth to her. So let me ask you this, who's your Danny? Is it a son or is it a daughter? Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Who, who's, who's the Danny in your life that you need to speak into? Or maybe it's that kid in, in, in liquid family that, you know, they come in and it seems like they lost their mind. It's like their parents just gave them pure white sugar and they're just like going crazy. And God wants you to speak life to them and say, you know what, you've got all this energy, man. When God gets a hold of that energy and directs it into your calling and your destiny, watch out. Like, who is it that God is calling you to speak into, to speak those words of life, to remind them who they are? Because, you know, we have this choice. It's a choice, right? We can speak words of life, words of encouragement, words of hope, or we can speak words of criticism, words of destruction. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't correct bad behavior. No, we definitely do that, but we do it in a redemptive way, knowing that when we speak words of life, that means we speak a word of correction that leads to greater, greater life and greater, greater flourishing. Because remember, our tongue has the power to direct one's life, but also has the power to damage your life and others. And James is pretty honest about that. James says this, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. How many of you guys remember last year the California wildfires? You guys remember that? It, it was pretty devastating. I remember watching this on TV. Literally, people were driving on the highway, and you'd literally see a mountain set on fire, and it looked like rivers of fire just kind of flowing all around. And, and this fire was devastating. It didn't matter whether you were rich or whether you were poor. This fire would roll over you if you were in its path, and it lasted for a long time. It wasn't a couple days. It wasn't a couple weeks. This fire lasted for months and months. And firefighters couldn't control it. They couldn't kind of uh, stop it. And here's what was interesting about these fires. The fires started small, just little sparks that went up into the wind and that landed on dry vegetation. And all of a sudden, this fire took on a life of its own. Similar with our words. Thoughtless words, small words that are spoken in the right environment can almost have been taken a life of their own and cause all sorts of devastation in their track. That's why James says this, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. So if our words of life can give a taste of heaven to somebody, our words of death can actually be a portal to hell. We can have all kinds of words that can give people a taste of what hell is like, whether it's a critical word where we're always breaking down and cutting people down, or maybe it's a word of cursing where we're literally just speaking death and hoping death would, people would experience. But then there's something like the twisted, the twisted tongue. This is the tongue where it's all about twisting the truth, massaging it. You know, sometimes we call it hype. Sometimes we call it spin. Whatever it is, it actually can be more devastating than anything else. In fact, that's what Jared experienced. Jared experienced what the little spark of fire did in his life 
with his tongue. Check this out. You know, living in New York, for me, you know, it was about who I can be when I wanted to be it. I really had no uh, fear of people whatsoever. I was the crazy kid, if you would. I was always confident enough to give a, a solid answer, even if it wasn't the truth. I was really good at manipulation, really good at spinning. My tongue was a tool that I used to get whatever I wanted. I lived lavishly. I, I made a lot of money and I played hard. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I also found myself with a tremendous amount of rage when it came to not having my way, you know, and, and thinking that I was better than everybody and slamming the phone down and um, saying things that, you know, I would look back on as regretting. The anger ultimately, you know, would be the downfall of me um, in losing that job. I remember getting a phone call and they said, you know, Jared, because of your actions, both from a perspective of uh, not keeping your mouth shut um, from a professional standpoint, uh, whether it's uh, telling inappropriate jokes or, uh, or just your anger, we're gonna have to let you go. And so in that, I lost a phenomenal job, which uh, was a, a very, very tough time for me. You know, it was about seven months after I moved to Dallas, um, I uh, fell into a state of depression. Um, I remember crying myself to sleep several nights. It was the third night uh, I did that. I woke up the following day with this uh, strange desire to find a church which uh, was the first time in my life I've ever felt that. You know, several people I crossed paths with at the church would ask me, hey, where are you from, man? I'd tell them, hey, I'm from New York, I'm from the Bronx. They would say, wow, we love that city. So what did you do there? And I told them, hey, I was a fireman. And I wore firefighter shirts that friends would give me. I wore sweatshirts, I'd go places. I would walk around like I was this ex-firefighter from New York City, that I was this paid hero. Uh, moved all the way down here, so a lot of folks started to welcome me in their circles. I was the cool kid. Uh, little did I know that that was all about to change. I became really good friends with a local uh, pastor that he uh, came to me with some information that a gentleman had emailed him. Uh, it was a gentleman that I hadn't talked to in probably seven years that had uh, said I was not a fireman. It was then that the truth was brought to the light. It was after getting caught um, I would finally have to confess um, all that was uh, true and all that was false. And it was a few folks that I had met, some good friends that I'd come across that said, you know, Jared, we don't care who you are or where you came from. We love the guy that you are. That's all stuff I never actually heard in my life. And it broke, broke me down. It was the first time that I actually heard somebody say, hey, we love you for who you are and uh, something I never experienced even as a child. And so it was a freeing feeling but still, nonetheless, it was a lot of work ahead of me to try to rebuild a lot of that trust that was lost with people. Jared got caught in the lie. He got caught in his own spin. And it led him, you know, to lose a job, a job that was destroyed. It also led to him to breaking trust with friends. And he even said, I've got to put the work in now to rebuilding that trust. I've got to rebuild those relationships. So can I ask you something? How are you doing with the truth? Are you able to tell the truth, or you just, do you sow in little white lies? Maybe to make yourself look a little bit better in a story, or maybe to kind of bolster yourself up. And you may be thinking, you know, it's not a big deal. It's like a little white lie. Everyone tells them. You know, it's not a huge thing. But you see, it may not seem like a little thing. Those little sparks may not seem like a big deal, but you know what they reveal more than anything else? You see, your tongue can reveal a divided heart you can actually show 
what's going on inside of your heart because your tongue actually reveals what you're really about. This is how James puts it. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. You know, we come to church and we worship. We say, God, you are so good. We sing the songs. But with it, we curse human beings we, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, this, this is like my life. Isn't it your life? It's easy to come to church and we can worship God. We can talk about how much we love God and how good he is. But as soon as we leave those doors, it just seems like we can cut down our kids, take apart our spouse with our words, yell at the person that cuts us off in traffic. It just seems to happen normally. We ridicule the people that we work with because our words have that power. There's that inconsistency that's there that James is calling us out. He says, what you're talking about is not what you're being about. He goes on and says this, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, what, what James is trying to get to is you got to get to the source. What's the source of fresh water? It should be a fresh water spring. What's the source of salt water? Well, it should be something that's salty. But when we look at our hearts and we're thinking, man, I must be doing really well in my relationship with God. But if the words that I say don't match the heart that I claim, what's going on here? Really, what's happening is that the condition of our hearts being highlighted. In fact, Jesus puts a sharper point to it when he says this. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these are what defile him. See, Jesus is saying it's not so much about the words that you say, maybe not even how, about how you say them, but your words actually reveal something that's deeper. Your words actually reveal your heart. They reveal what you're really about. Sometimes we can easily talk our way about things, but when we really get to the heart of what our heart is about, or what our words are about, it really reveals our hearts. And oftentimes we may not like the things that we say or how we say them because we, it reveals that we have a heart that's grown hard, a heart that's grown cold, a heart that's grown cynical. And so out of that comes sarcasm and gossip and slander and cynicism. And more than anything else, instead of stopping the way we talk, we actually need a heart transplant. But we can't give ourselves a heart transplant. Only Jesus can, amen? Only Jesus can change us from the inside out. And that's what we need more than anything else. And it starts with awareness. You see, becoming aware of your words makes you aware of your heart. When you start to realize what's going on with here, it helps you see what's happening in here. So if you rewound the past 24 hours, what's been going on with your words? What have you been saying? What have you been saying to others? Is it a heart that brings hope and healing and restoration and affirmation, or does it bring criticism and sowing seeds of, of pain and of sarcasm or doubt? What kind of words are flowing from your mouth? Words of life or words of death? So over this series, over the next four weeks, here's my challenge for you. My challenge is that you would keep your heart open my challenge is that you'd become more aware of the words that are flowing out of your mouth so it'd make you more aware of the conditions of your heart. And that you'd actually be open for correction, that Jesus could actually correct your heart. And as you open your heart to him, it allows him to do open heart surgery in you. You see, Jesus took the words of death that we spoke to him on the cross. 
we hurled curses at him and all sorts of things, and he took those words and he transformed them into words of life where he said, I forgive you. I love you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he calls you and I to imitate him in this and make Jesus not just the Lord of our lives, but the Lord of our lips, where he actually enables us to speak life. So what does that look like for us? Maybe for, for us guys, for men, we need to stop making women the end of our jokes, our wives and our sisters and our mothers, but actually speak life into them and speak words of encouragement and hope so that they can be the women of faith that God has made them to be. And maybe, ladies, it means rather than trying to be critical all the time of the husbands and the sons and the men in your life, it's to actually look for the bright spots, the spots where they're leaning into their potential and speak life into that and call it out and raise it up to the surface. Maybe it's time to stop the spin. Or maybe today, after church, during lunch, you need to have a conversation where you speak life. And maybe that begins with, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? You know, after I blew up on my daughter, after that spilled milk, cleaned up the milk, um, went to find her in her room, and her eyes are still red from crying, and, and I say, sweetie, I'm so sorry. There is nothing wrong with you. Daddy should never have said those things. You are beautiful, and you are creative. You are kind, and you're always moving to the next level. Would you forgive me? And she said, yeah, Daddy, I'll forgive you. See, the power of our words can also restore. They have the ability to transform words of death into words of life. In fact, maybe you're here today and you need to restore a relationship with Jesus because it's been broken. And the way you do that is you need to start with, Jesus, will you forgive me? In fact, the scriptures give us this promise. It says, if we confess our sins, which means if we're honest about where we fall short, honest about where we've not only spoken words of death, but actually lived death. It says, if we confess our sins and come clean to God, he is faithful and just. And we'll, let's all say this together, church. will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It says that he actually forgives us. He restores us. That's the promise that Jesus gives to us. See, Jesus has another name for him, and that name is this. He's the Word of God. And when the Word of God says it, you know you can hold on to it. Let's kind of wrap our, our time together by actually praying together and actually talking to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just confess to you that I sometimes rationalize and I justify and I trivialize the words that I say. I think it's not a big deal. It's, it's not going to have a big impact. But Lord, you know the truth. You reveal my heart. And so Father, along with my brothers and sisters here at all of our campuses, God, we come before you and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us. Reveal to us the condition of our hearts, the places that have gone cold, that have gone hard, that we need to get back in line with you. And so Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to speak life and not death. We proclaim words of life. 
And God, would you restore and heal and cleanse our hearts? We ask this and we pray this in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen.